Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California, 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii and every Friday as always on Sports Map Radio Network. Just as a reminder, if you have a question or comment or just want to win tickets to an upcoming game, guys in Southern California, Las Vegas or Hawaii, call our hotline at 310-400-0340. Again, that number is 310-400-0340. Also email us at show at gmail.com. Okay, let's go out to the Sporting Tribune guest hotline. Sporting Tribune is your go-to destination for the best coverage of your favorite teams in Southern California, Las Vegas, and Hawaii. No paywalls, no ads, no autoplay videos, just your teams and clean a good, old-fashioned, clean reading experience. Visit thesportingtribune.com today. And here we go, Mr. CBS himself, the infamous, wonderful Michael Duarte. Michael, how you doing? Guys, I'm doing good. Congratulations and happy MLB playoffs day. It's a great day to watch some baseball. I know. I love that. I love that. I, I'm, this is probably, I don't know about everybody else, but this is my favorite time of the year because we got the trifecta. We have basketball on, we have baseball on, we have football on. And I know for some other people, we have the quadfecta hockey, my personal favorite. So, um, with that, Michael, we got to talk about this Draymond thing. I mean, it's the story has got legs right now. Uh, TMZ just came out and uh, kind of busted things a little bit more wide open and actually showed the physical altercation that Draymond had with uh, Jordan Poole. So what, what are your thoughts on what's going on with the Warriors right now? Yeah, I mean, as we, as we discussed earlier, the fact that this video has leaked out, uh, likely from uh, a Warriors team staffer. Uh, you know, I had always thought that I would assume that, that Draymond would get some sort of punishment. Uh, we heard he threw a punch, but from the video, it shows, you know, Jordan Poole just stood there the entire time. It was Draymond Green uh, getting in his face and uh, initiating the altercation. Uh, once Jordan Poole kind of pushes him away, then Draymond Green throws not only a punch, but connects with a punch that, that appears in the video to, to knock Jordan Poole out, uh, you know, up against the wall. That to me is just, damning evidence that is the smoking gun as you will uh and once everybody sees this they're going to want to see uh draymond punished for quite some time including probably the nba although this happens at a practice so i'm not sure how they can get involved because uh, it did not happen in the game so it'll be interesting to see what happens to draymond and, and larger than that how if you're jordan Poole, and i know we can all go back to the michael jordan steve kerr who's still the coach of the warriors uh you know infamous punch video that we haven't seen uh, I'm sure maybe there's leaked video of that somewhere that would be interesting to see that come out. But uh, how do you, how if you're Jordan Poole, can you play with this guy the rest of the season after what he did? Uh, it just seems going to be it's going to be uh, some tumultuous times uh, in Golden State in San Francisco with the Warriors this year. Yeah, Michael, I wanted to ask you. Speaking of the MLB playoffs starting today, do you have any upsets in those first series that you think could happen? Yeah, and I'm not sure if they're really upsets. What's interesting about what Major League Baseball did uh, this postseason is that 
I'm excited for the expanded playoffs, to be honest with you. I like that there's a three-game series instead of uh, a one-game wild card where anything can happen and winner can take all. I know that's kind of the excitement of it, but I like the three-game series better. I think the better team wins out in this situation. But what's interesting is they did not reseed. So, and I know I guess that was to cut down maybe on, on time. Uh, I don't like that there's not a day off between games four and five in the NLDS and and. Uh, I think it's six in the NLCS. They're just playing for five straight days in both of these situations. So you're looking at a potential matchup in the second round where the 111-win Dodgers could be facing the 101-win Mets, and the Dodgers would have to travel from New York City after Game 4 all the way back to Los Angeles uh, after Game 4 uh, with no rest, no day, no travel day in between to face this crucial game five that would be less than 24 hours later uh, at Dodger Stadium. To me, that's kind of crazy when, uh, depending on what happens, if you had reseeded the teams, the Dodgers could face like uh, you know a 90-win Cardinal team next instead of a 100-win Mets team. Uh, that's, that's pretty stacked and could give the Dodgers trouble in the five-game series as we've talked about. Uh, so that to me is going to be interesting. Uh, I definitely could see a team like the Mets upsetting the Dodgers, though I do think it'd be benefit the Dodgers if the Mets were to beat the Padres, uh, which most people expect, uh, to not have DeGrom and Scherzer able to pitch in game one or two uh, and then potentially uh, not be able to pitch again in a game five could help the Dodgers in the long run. Uh, and then if they were to face the Braves, who appear to be the hottest team in baseball in the second half of the season in the NLCS, I think a seven-game series against a team like that could also benefit the Dodgers uh, as it would stretch it out. But that's one upset I could definitely see uh, ultimately looking ahead to the second round. Uh, But I I think the Blue Jays will end up beating um, their opponent, the the Seattle Mariners. Uh, I think that's a toss-up series, but I think the Blue Jays end up beating them. I don't know if that's uh, an upset or not. Uh, But I do think the Tampa Bay Rays, which are seeded six against the Guardians seeded three, could also beat Cleveland in Cleveland. Uh, that to me is a weak division opponent that's in the postseason. I'm, I'm thrilled that they made it because I don't think anybody had them over the White Sox or Twins. Uh, but I think the uh, the Rays could upset the Guardians uh, in that round. Other than that, I do see St. Louis beating Philadelphia and I see the Mets beating the Padres. So no upsets there in the wild cards. Uh, and then it would be kind of interesting the DS. But ultimately, I have uh, the inevitable showdown between Yankees and Astros. Uh, and Dodgers and Braves in the CS Championship Series, and I think that's what most people have. So it'll be interesting to watch. Uh, it worries me, this this 111-win juggernaut Dodgers team that is called the best team ever right now, uh, and especially with how many wins they won this season. Uh, they just don't seem to be as, I don't know, as dominant as maybe we even saw in like the 2017 World Series year or the 2019 year they lost in the wild card. Uh, their starting rotation is Julio Rios, Clayton Kershaw, Tyler Anderson, all lefties. Uh, and the teams that they could potentially face in the CS, as far as Cardinals, Bra- uh, Braves, and Phillies, crush lefties, uh, three of the best uh, left-hand pitching hitting teams in baseball. And of all the teams they could face, including the Mets, uh, they only went 11-8 against these teams uh, in the regular season. So I'm not sure if this is just beating up on their own teams in, in the division and the Padres and Diamondbacks and Giants and Rockies this year. But uh, the Dodgers just seem like a very vulnerable 111 win team uh, heading into the postseason. Yeah, Michael, on that same topic, 
I want you to take us through both scenarios. If the Dodgers were to play the Padres, what do you think the keys would be to that series, and how do you think it would play out, or versus the Mets, um, how do you think that would play out? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm, And selfishly, I'm kind of rooting for the Padres to shock the Mets and beat them, even though I believe they are, according to Las Vegas, uh, have the worst odds of any team to upset a first-round opponent in the, in the wild-card division. But I think you know, you'd be throwing you Darvish likely game one, Blake Snell probably game two, or Joe Musgrove game two, and then the other one in game three. So those three are going there. I actually believe that if the Padres can beat Max Scherzer or Jacob deGrom in one and two, and there is some talk right now that the Mets could hold uh, deGrom back for a potential do-or-die elimination game three, uh, to me, I don't do that. To me, I throw my best two pitchers and get this thing over with. But let's say they... Let's say they do throw DeGrom in game two and somehow the Padres are able to steal one of those games. I think the Padres would actually have the favorable matchup in elimination game three, even though they're not the home team in that game, they could potentially throw, you know, Blake Snow out there, a guy who's got world series experience against either a Chris Bassett or Tuan Walker for the Mets. And I think that would actually favor the Padres. But to answer your question, if the Padres were able to escape, I think that would then, you know, mean Sean Manaya would have to pitch game one against the Dodgers. The Dodgers have absolutely crushed Sean Manaya this season. Uh, they've beaten the Do- they've beaten the Padres uh, in every series they've played dating back to June or May of last year. So I think the, the Dodgers would be big favorites. I think it's an opponent they like. I think it cuts down on the travel. If there was a game five in that series, you're just driving up the five freeway. So uh, I'm rooting for that. I think most fans are rooting for that, and I think that would behoove the Dodgers to face the Padres in the next round. That would be a matchup that would definitely favor them uh, and hopefully uh, allow them to have less wear and tear on their bodies, on their pitchers' arms, and traveling if they were to face the Braves in the CS. All right, Michael, I wanted to ask about the Cowboys-Rams this weekend. A lot of people are picking the Cowboys because of their good defense and all that stuff, but... I personally think they played a really good San Francisco defense last week. I think they'll piece some stuff together and win this game. What are your thoughts and expectations for this game? Yeah, I've used it before, but the Rams right now, Brandon, they got more problems than a math book. And then what we're looking at right now in the Rams is straight on the offensive line. Yes, you're right. The 49ers have a great defense, especially a great front, um, you know, led by Nick Bosa, uh, and you know Eric Armstead came back as well for that game. So so they got a great defensive front in San Francisco. But the Cowboys, you know, arguably have the best defensive player in Micah Parsons potentially. Uh, so they got you know great pressure up front uh, and, and especially able to blitz. Yeah, yes, GA. Uh, so <laughs> yes, yes. And so they were able to blitz, and uh, and obviously they got great secondary. Uh, to me, though, the Rams biggest problem and glaring issue is on the offensive line and to me if they can't figure out this offensive line like I said they're on their third string center who isn't even a center he's a guard that they had to move over last minute I spoke to Matthew Stafford on Wednesday uh, and Matthew Stafford said straight up to me that there's a communication issue they just haven't had enough snaps together under center to to at the line of scrimmage, be able to call things out, be able to see things, be able to do what a center does. The center is essentially the captain uh, of the offense, you know, not even more so sometimes than the quarterback because the center can go uh, under the ball, over the ball, 
and point out what defense is lined up as, who might be coming as a blitz, point it out so that the other offensive linemen see it and know it. What Matthew Stafford told me is he had to do all of that. He had to be the one telling the entire offensive line, telling everybody on the offense uh, who might be coming uh, and changing potentially audibles. So that's going to be interesting. It does not appear like Brian Allen will be back this week. It'll appear like it'll be next week. So you're talking about, again, uh, an inside offensive line for the Rams that is on third stringers. And, you know, Matthew Stafford said, you know, we trust that the Rams, you know, these guys are here for a reason that they can block and that they can play. And I assume that he's right, but that's a tough task for some guys who've never really played before on the line uh, to be going against this Cowboys team, especially the way they've been playing lately with Cooper Rush. And then offensively, eh, this team is one dimensional. If you target Cooper Cup 19, 20 times a game, then, you know, you're extremely one dimensional offense. If you can't run the ball because of your offensive line, then all the Cowboys stout defense will need to do, just put digs on Cooper Cup and double team him uh, and try to make Allen Robinson and Ben Skronik beat you, which is a prospect that I think would be easy for any team. So, Brandon, I, I think, you know, unless the Rams can fix this offensive line issue, therefore establishing the run, therefore opening up the pass, uh, and somehow try to get Allen Robinson involved, I do like the Cowboys in this game. Yeah, I think you are like the majority um, and not the minority on that one, unfortunately, Michael. Um, I wanted to stick with football because obviously football is king. Um, last night's horrific, abysmal game where fans were walking out at the end of the fourth quarter. What um, were your thoughts about uh, Thursday night football um, and anything that they can possibly do to improve and maybe even get more eyes on there? Yeah, that is a great question, and I'm glad that you brought it up because it leads me to uh, maybe a bigger issue because there's a lot. And I was telling, talking to Brandon about this, actually, there's a lot of bad football being played right now in the NFL. And this is across the board. And I have been noticing it now for four weeks. And at first I was like, okay, maybe this is because they cut down one preseason game. And so there's less time to kind of fine tune some things. Then I'm thinking, okay, you know, a lot of guys are taking on, the, a lot of coaches are taking on the Sean McVay strategy of not playing any starters whatsoever in the preseason. So maybe it takes some time to get the rust off. Uh, but a lot of guys did play their starters, and we're still four or five weeks in there. And this is just some atrocious football. And what originally was happening was the experts and analysts were saying, oh, this is just great defense. No, this is just bad football all around, especially offensively. Uh, and I looked to that game between the Green Bay Packers and the Bucks a couple weeks ago. I think the final score was 14 to 12 against two offenses that are considered to be the best in the NFL. And so when you look at last night, you know, the Broncos were supposed to have a great offense and contend in the AFC West this year with Russell Wilson. You know, they pay him as one of the top quarterbacks in the entire league, and he is looking awful, awful. I can't, he's looking like one of the worst quarterbacks in the league right now. One of those interceptions he threw, and there was many, actually the last two he threw. One, he's looking at, at Cortland Sutton the whole way and then just decides to just throw a deep ball like a, uh, like you're playing uh, you know, a game of like fair catch back in the day, you remember, like up for grabs and all your friends would just go out there like trying to catch a Hail Mary. You know, that's what he did on one of those interceptions. It absolutely was mind-boggling. And then I have no idea when the Colts have no timeouts and you have the ball in the red zone, why you're not, and you have a lead, you're up three, why you're not pounding the ball uh, when he threw that, that interception uh, you know, to Gilmore uh, in the end zone that gave the Colts an opportunity to come back down and tie that game. Uh, and then on fourth and one, 
to, to do the play that they ran when they could have tied the game or they could have run the ball to, to get a first down and have four shots from inside the 10 to win that game. To me, it's just mind-boggling. And like I said, when you're looking at blame for why the Broncos are struggling right now, it's Russell Wilson all alone in, in a carnival house of mirrors. He has only himself to see uh, for that. But also, the Colts were supposed to be a, a great team that took a step further and finally became the playoff team and potentially championship contender. We thought they were with Matt Ryan over Carson Wentz. And even the Colts looked horrible. They could not move the ball. The offensive line could not block anybody. Uh, so, you know, right now it's just bad football all around, Jihei. And, and I saw a tweet from Jake Olson, uh, who I've written about ad nauseum, a USC uh, player. He's a blind player. He was the first blind player to ever play college football. He was a long snapper for USC. He tweeted out, if I were suddenly gifted by a genie to have my sight back for one game, I could watch one game with having my sight back. And, but the genie said it has to be this Thursday night football game between the Colts and Broncos. Should I accept the genie's offer? And I even <laughs> chipped in on that vote and said absolutely not because it'll make you not want to ever see again. So uh, that was funny that he tweeted that out. But yeah, that was one of the worst games of football I've seen played in a very, very long time. Yeah, Michael, speaking of that, besides the Cowboys over the Rams, what are some other upset picks or teams that you think are an upset alert this weekend in the NFL? Yeah, I know we've talked about this a lot, Brandon, like some of the the, the odds and looking at the gambling side of things. I had a chance to look at them. You know, uh, it'll be interesting. One one thing that, that's funny about this London game coming up, right? Giants-Packers. Uh, if you want to wake up at six in the morning on Sunday to catch that game, uh, you know, at London where Tottenham plays, uh, which I've been to that field when the Rams were there. It's a very, it's a very excellent high tech field, honestly, to, to play some NFL football. But this is the first time the London game has had two winning teams in the same game, uh, which surprises me. I actually, when I heard that stat, I was like, wow, really? It's never happened. I mean, I figure like we always hear the Jaguars are in that game. So I guess it makes sense, but, uh, yeah, this is the first time. And so I wouldn't be surprised with the early start, the travel time, uh, and the way the Giants have been playing, the way Saquon Barkley's been running, the way the defense have been playing. It's possible the Giants could go in there and cover uh, the eight, eight and a half points that they're getting. Uh, so that's one that, I, that I'm looking at right now. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know who the Bears are right now, but I know Kirk Cousins likes to make mistakes all the time. Uh, I could see the Bears covering that game. Uh, outside of that, I don't see too, too many upsets. I know the Saints are favored at home, but the Seahawks appear to be playing well with Geno Smith. Their offense is a million times better than the Broncos right now with Russell Wilson. I never thought I would say that. I could see the Seahawks going in there and beating the Saints outright because like you and I talked about, we believe the NFC West is a very good division this year uh, and stacked. Uh, and then finally, I, it could be the Arizona Cardinals at home if Kyler Murray's playing well, uh, if that defense is going well to finally uh, unseat and knock off the undefeated Eagles. That's another upset alert uh, that I have. And then, you know, I, I, a coin toss to me in Bengals and Ravens, but I think the Ravens, after how they blew that game last week, because that was one of my upset picks you and I talked about, uh, I think the Ravens finally bounced back and beat the Bengals, putting, you know, the reigning AFC champs uh, at two and three through five games. But, but I know you have some picks, so what do you have? Oh, yeah, I, I was telling you I have Lions over Patriots. Um, that's my upset pick of the week. Yeah, and I think yeah. this, is the, this is the one time that Brandon and I actually agree because I agree with him on the, the Detroit pick. I like it. I like it, but I think it's too sexy. The Lions are just, <laughs> I don't know, they always find a way to lose. 
Yeah, I, I I don't know. What what are your thoughts on that, Armand? No, actually, me and you, Michael, we're, we're aligned on pretty much all of our upset picks. I have Seahawks, and, you know, I'm biased because I'm a Bears fan. Um, but I had the Bears covering at the very least because I agree with you. I mean, Kirk Cousins is just an accident waiting to happen. I feel like unless, you know, you get a 10 a.m. game, which he, he has this week, if you put the bright lights on him, though, we know what's going to happen. I think uh, we're almost running out of time, though, here, Michael. So, Yeah, no, um, I, I'm just trying to think of like other other teams that we could possibly like put put their feet to the fire kind of thing. But um, I guess we're just going to have to wait and, and see if we actually have any of these upsets come to fruition. Well, my, well, that's all the time we have for today. Let's do it again on Monday, guys. Until then, this is the Arash Marakazi Show saying stay safe and stay healthy. And thank you so much, Michael Duarte. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hustle for the cash, so it's hard to knock it. Everybody got their own thing, currency chasing. Worldwide through the hard times, worrying faces. Shed tears as we bury brothers close to heart. What was a friend now? This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Still clown with the underground. Welcome back to the Arash Marikazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California, 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii and every Friday as always on Sports Map Radio Network. Just as a reminder, if you have a question or comment or just want to win tickets to an upcoming game, guys in Southern California, Las Vegas or Hawaii, call our hotline at 310-400-0340. Again, that number is 310-400-0340. Also email us at show at gmail.com. Okay, let's go out to the Sporting Tribune guest hotline. Sporting Tribune is your go-to destination for the best coverage of your favorite teams in Southern California, Las Vegas, and Hawaii. No paywalls, no ads, no autoplay videos, just your teams and clean, a good, old-fashioned, clean reading experience. Visit thesportingtribune.com today. And here we go, Mr. CBS himself, the infamous, wonderful Michael Duarte. Michael, how you doing? Guys, I'm doing good. Congratulations and happy MLB Playoffs Day. It's a great day to watch some baseball i know i love that i love that i am this is probably i don't know about everybody else but this is my favorite time of the year because we got the trifecta we have basketball on we have baseball on we have football on and i know for some other people we have the quadfecta hockey my personal favorite so um with that michael we got to talk about this Draymond thing. I mean, it's this story has got legs right now. Uh, TMZ just came out and uh, kind of busted things a little bit more wide open and actually showed the physical altercation that Draymond had with uh, Jordan Poole. So what what are your thoughts on what's going on with the Warriors right now? Yeah, I mean, as we, as we discussed earlier, the fact that this video has leaked out, uh, likely from uh, a Warriors team staffer. Uh, you know, I had always thought that I would assume that, that Draymond would get some sort of punishment. Uh, we heard he threw a punch, but from the video it shows, you know, Jordan Poole just stood there the entire time. It was Draymond Green uh, getting in his face and uh, initiating the altercation. Uh, once Jordan Poole kind of pushes him away, then Draymond Green throws not only a punch, but connects with a punch that uh, appears in the video to, to knock Jordan Poole out, uh, you know, up against the wall. That to me is just, 
damning evidence. That is the smoking gun, as you will. Uh, and once everybody sees this, they're going to want to see uh, Draymond punished for quite some time, including probably the NBA, although this happens at a practice, so I'm not sure how they can get involved because uh, it did not happen in the game. So it'll be interesting to see what happens to Draymond. And, and larger than that, how if you're Jordan Poole, and I know we can all go back to the Michael Jordan, Steve Kerr, who's still the coach of the Warriors, uh, you know, infamous punch video that we haven't seen. Uh, I'm sure maybe there's leaked video of that somewhere that would be interesting to see that come out. But uh, how do you, how if you're Jordan Poole, can you play with this guy the rest of the season after what he did? Uh, it just seems going to be, it's going to be uh, some tumultuous times uh, in Golden State in San Francisco with the Warriors this year. Yeah, Michael, I wanted to ask you, speaking of the MLB playoffs starting today, do you have any upsets in those first series that you think could happen? Yeah, and I'm not sure if they're really upsets. What's interesting about what Major League Baseball did uh, this postseason is that I'm excited for the expanded playoffs, to be honest with you. I like that there's a three-game series instead of uh, a one-game wild card where anything can happen and winner can take all. I know that's kind of the excitement of it, but I like the three-game series better. I think the better team wins out in this situation. But what's interesting is they did not reseed. So, and I know I guess that was to cut down maybe on, on time. Uh, I don't like that there's not a day off between games four and five in the NLDS, and, and uh, I think it's six in the NLCS. They're just playing for five straight days in both of these situations. So you're looking at a potential matchup in the second round where the 111-win Dodgers could be facing the 101-win Mets, and the Dodgers would have to travel from New York City after Game 4 all the way back to Los Angeles uh, after Game 4 with no rest, no day, no travel day in between to face this crucial Game 5 that would be less than 24 hours later uh, at Dodger Stadium. To me, that's kind of crazy when, uh, depending on what happens, if you had reseeded the teams, the Dodgers could face like uh, you know, 90-win Cardinal team next instead of a 100-win Mets team. Uh, that's, that's pretty stacked and could give the Dodgers trouble in the five-game series, as we've talked about. Uh, so that, to me, is going to be interesting. Uh, I definitely could see a team like the Mets upsetting the Dodgers, though I do think it be benefits the Dodgers if the Mets were to beat the Padres, uh, which most people expect, uh, to not have DeGrom and Scherzer able to pitch in game one or two uh, and then potentially uh, not be able to pitch again in a game five could help the Dodgers in the long run. Uh, and then if they were to face the Braves, who appear to be the hottest team in baseball in the second half of the season in the NLCS, I think a seven-game series against a team like that could also benefit the Dodgers uh, as it would stretch it out. But that's one upset I could definitely see uh, ultimately looking ahead to the second round. Uh, but I, I think the Blue Jays will end up beating um, their opponent, the, the Seattle Mariners. Uh, I think that's a toss-up series, but I think the Blue Jays end up beating them. I don't know if that's uh, an upset or not. Uh, but I do think the Tampa Bay Rays, which are seeded six against the Guardians, seeded three, could also beat Cleveland in Cleveland. Uh, that, to me, is a weak division opponent that's in the postseason. I'm, I'm thrilled that they made it because I don't think anybody had them over the White Sox or Twins. Uh, but I think the uh, the Rays could upset the Guardians uh, in that round. Other than that, I do see St. Louis beating Philadelphia, and I see the Mets beating the Padres. So no upsets there in the wild cards. Uh, and that would be kind of interesting the DS. But ultimately, I have uh, the inevitable showdown between Yankees and Astros uh, and Dodgers and Braves in the CS Championship Series. And I think that's what most people have. So it'll be interesting to watch 
Uh, it worries me, this this 111-win juggernaut Dodgers team that is called the best team ever right now, uh, and especially with how many wins they won this season. Uh, they just don't seem to be as, I don't know, as dominant as maybe we even saw in like the 2017 World Series year or the 2019 year they lost in the wild card. Uh, their starting rotation is Julio Rios, Clayton Kershaw, Tyler Anderson, all lefties. Uh, and the teams that they could potentially face in the CS, as far as Cardinals, Bra- uh, Braves, and Phillies, crush lefties, uh, three of the best uh, left-hand pitching hitting teams in baseball. And of all the teams they could face, including the Mets, uh, they only went 11-8 and eight against these teams uh, in the regular season. So I'm not sure if this is just beating up on their own teams in, in the division, in the Padres and Diamondbacks and Giants and Rockies this year, but uh, the Dodgers just seem like a very vulnerable 111-win team uh, heading into the postseason. Yeah, Michael, on that same topic, I want you to take us through both scenarios. If the Dodgers were to play the Padres, what do you think the keys would be to that series, and how do you think it would play out, or versus the Mets, um, how do you think that would play out? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm, And selfishly, I'm kind of rooting for the Padres to shock the Mets and beat them, even though I believe they are, according to Las Vegas, uh, have the worst odds of any team to upset a first-round opponent in the, in the wild-card division. But I think you know, you'd know you be throwing you Darvish likely game one, Blake Snell probably game two, or Joe Musgrove game two, and then the other one in game three. So those three are going there. I actually believe that if the Padres can beat Max Scherzer or Jacob deGrom in one and two, and there is some talk right now that the Mets could hold uh, DeGrom back for a potential do-or-die elimination game three. Uh, to me, I don't do that. To me, I throw my best two pitchers and get this thing over with. But let's say they let's say they do throw DeGrom in game two, and somehow the Padres are able to steal one of those games. I think the Padres would actually have the favorable matchup in elimination game three. Even though they're not the home team in that game, they could potentially throw you know Blake Snow out there, a guy who's got World Series experience against either a Chris Bassett or Tuan Walker for the Mets. And I think that would actually favor the Padres. But to answer your question, if the Padres were able to escape, I think that would then, you know, mean Sean Manaya would have to pitch game one against the Dodgers. The Dodgers have absolutely crushed Sean Manaya this season. Uh, they've beaten the Do- they've beaten the Padres uh, in every series they've played dating back to June or May of last year. So I think the, the Dodgers would be big favorites. I think it's an opponent they like. I think it cuts down on the travel. If there was a game five in that series, you're just driving up the five freeway. So uh, I'm rooting for that. I think most fans are rooting for that. And I think that would behoove the Dodgers to face the Padres in the next round. That would be a matchup that would definitely favor them uh, and hopefully uh, allow them to have less wear and tear on their bodies, on their pitchers' arms and traveling if they were to face the Braves and the CS. All right, Michael, I wanted to ask about the Cowboys-Rams this weekend. A lot of people are picking the Cowboys because of their good defense and all that stuff, but I personally think they played a really good San Francisco defense last week. I think they'll piece some stuff together and win this game. What are your thoughts and expectations for this game? Yeah, I've used it before, but the Rams right now, Brandon, they got more problems than a math book. And then what we're looking at right now in the Rams is Straight on the offensive line. Yes, you're right. The 49ers have a great defense, especially a great front, um, you know, led by Nick Bosa. Uh, and, you know, Eric Armstead came back as well for that game. So 
So they got a great defensive front in San Francisco, but the Cowboys, you know, arguably have the best defensive player in Micah Parsons potentially. Uh, so they got, you know, great pressure up front, uh, and, and especially able to blitz. Yeah. Yes. GA. Uh, so anyways, yes. Yes. And so they were able to blitz and, uh, and obviously they got great secondary. Uh, to me though, the Rams biggest problem and glaring issue is on the offensive line. And to me, if they can't figure out this offensive line, like I said, they're on their third string center who isn't even a center. He's a guard that they had to move over last minute. I spoke to Matthew Stafford on Wednesday uh, and Matthew Stafford said straight up to me that there's a communication issue. They just haven't had enough snaps together under center to, to at the line of scrimmage, be able to call things out, be able to see things, be able to do what a center does. The center is essentially the captain uh, of the offense you know, not even more so sometimes than the quarterback because the center can go uh, under the ball, over the ball, and point out what defense is lined up as, who might be coming as a blitz, point it out so that the other offensive linemen see it and know it. What Matthew Stafford told me is he had to do all of that. He had to be the one telling the entire offensive line, telling everybody on the offense uh, who might be coming uh, and changing potentially audibles. So that's going to be interesting. Does not appear like Brian Allen will be back this week. It'll appear like it'll be next week. So you're talking about again uh, an inside offensive line for the Rams that is on third stringers. And you know Matthew Stafford said, you know we trust that the Rams, you know these guys are here for a reason that they can block and that they can play. And I assume that he's right. But that's a tough task for some guys who've never really played before on the line uh, to be going against this Cowboys team, especially the way they've been playing lately with Cooper Rush. And then offensively. This team is one-dimensional. If you target Cooper Cup 19, 20 times a game, then you know, you're know you extremely one-dimensional offense. If you can't run the ball because of your offensive line, then all the Cowboys' stout defense would need to do just put digs on Cooper Cup and double-team him uh, and try to make Allen Robinson and Ben Skronik beat you, which is a prospect that I think would be easy for any team. So. Brandon, I, I think, you know, unless the Rams can fix this offensive line issue, therefore establishing the run, therefore opening up the pass, uh, and somehow try to get Allen Robinson involved, I do like the Cowboys in this game. Yeah, I think you are like the majority um, and not the minority on that one, unfortunately, Michael. Um, I wanted to stick with football because obviously football is king. Um, last night's horrific, abysmal game where fans were walking out at the end of the fourth quarter. What um, were your thoughts about uh, Thursday night football um, and anything that they can possibly do to improve and maybe even get more eyes on there? Yeah, that is a great question, and I'm glad that you brought it up because it leads me to uh, maybe a bigger issue because there's a lot. I was telling, talking to Brandon about this, actually. There's a lot of bad football being played right now in the NFL. And this is across the board. And I have been noticing it now for four weeks. And at first I was like, okay, maybe this is because they cut down one preseason game. And so there's less time to kind of fine tune some things. Then I'm thinking, okay, you know, a lot of guys are taking on the, a lot of coaches are taking on the Sean McVay strategy of not playing any starters whatsoever in the preseason. So maybe it takes some time to get the rust off. Uh, but a lot of guys did play their starters and we're still four or five weeks in there. And this is just some atrocious football. And what originally was happening was the experts and analysts were saying, Oh, this is just great defense. No, this is just bad football all around, especially offensively. Uh, and I looked to that game between the green Bay Packers and the bucks a couple weeks ago. I think the final score was 
14 to 12 against two offenses that are considered to be the best in the NFL. And so when you look at last night, you know, the Broncos were supposed to have a great offense and contend in the AFC West this year with Russell Wilson. You know, they pay him as one of the top quarterbacks in the entire league, and he is looking awful, awful. I can't, he's looking like one of the worst quarterbacks in the league right now. One of those interceptions he threw, and there was many, actually the last two he threw. One, he's looking at, at Cortland Sutton the whole way and then just decides to just throw a deep ball like a, a like you're playing – uh, you know, a game of like fair catch back in the day, you remember, like up for grabs and all your friends would just go out there like trying to catch a Hail Mary. You know, that's what he did on one of those interceptions. It absolutely was mind boggling. And then I have no idea when the Colts have no timeouts and you have the ball in the red zone, why you're not, and you have a lead, you're up three, why you're not pounding the ball uh, when he threw that, that interception, uh, you know, to Gilmore uh, in the end zone that gave the Colts an opportunity to come back down and tie that game. Uh, and then on fourth and one, to, to do the play that they ran when they could have tied the game or they could have run the ball to, to get a first down and have four shots from inside the 10 to win that game. To me, it's just mind-boggling. And like I said, when you're looking at blame for why the Broncos are struggling right now, it's Russell Wilson all alone in, in a carnival house of mirrors. He has only himself to see uh, for that. But also, the Colts were supposed to be a, a great team that took a step further and finally became the playoff team and potentially championship contender we thought they were with Matt Ryan over Carson Wentz. And even the Colts looked horrible. They could not move the ball. The offensive line could not block anybody. Uh, so, you know, right now it's just bad football all around, Jihei. And, and I saw a tweet from Jake Olson, uh, who I've written about ad nauseum, a USC uh, player. He's a blind player. He was the first blind player to ever play college football. He was a long snapper for USC. He tweeted out, if I were suddenly gifted by a genie, to have my sight back for one game. I could watch one game with having my sight back. Uh, but the genie said it has to be this Thursday night football game between the Colts and Broncos. Should I accept the genie's offer? And I even <laughs> chipped in on that vote and said absolutely not because it'll make you not want to ever see again. So uh, that was funny that he tweeted that out. But yeah, that was one of the worst games of football I've seen played in a very, very long time. Yeah, Michael, uh, speaking of that, besides the Cowboys over the Rams. What are some other upset picks or teams that you think are an upset alert this weekend in the NFL? Yeah, I know we've talked about this a lot, Brandon, like some of the, the, the odds and looking at the gambling side of things. I had a chance to look at them. You know, uh, it'll be interesting. One, one thing that, that's funny about this London game coming up, right? Giant Packers, uh, if you want to wake up at 6 in the morning on Sunday to catch that game, uh, you know, at London where Tottenham plays, uh, which I've been to that field when the Rams were there. It's a very, it's a very excellent high tech field, honestly, to, to play some NFL football. But this is the first time the London game has had two winning teams in the same game, uh, which surprises me. I actually, when I heard that stat, I was like, wow, really? It's never happened. I mean, I figure like we always hear the Jaguars on that game. So I guess it makes sense, but uh, yeah, this is the first time. And so I wouldn't be surprised with the early start, the travel time, uh, and the way the Giants have been playing, the way Saquon Barkley's been running, the way the defense have been playing, it's possible the Giants could go in there and cover uh, the eight, eight and a half points that they're getting. Uh, so that's one that, I, that I'm looking at right now. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know who the Bears are right now, but I know Kirk Cousins likes to make mistakes all the time. Uh, I could see the Bears covering that game. 
outside of that, I don't see too, too many upsets. I know the Saints are favored at home, but the Seahawks appear to be playing well with Geno Smith. Their offense is a million times better than the Broncos right now with Russell Wilson. I never thought I would say that. I could see the Seahawks going in there and beating the Saints outright because like you and I talked about, we believe the NFC West is a very good division this year uh, and stacked. Uh, and then finally, I, it could be the Arizona Cardinals at home if Kyler Murray's playing well, uh, if that defense is going well, to finally uh, unseat and knock off the undefeated Eagles. That's another upset alert uh, that I have. And then, you know, I, I, a coin toss to me in Bengals and Ravens, but I think the Ravens, after how they blew that game last week, because that was one of my upset picks you and I talked about, uh, I think the Ravens finally bounced back and beat the Bengals, putting you know, the reigning AFC champs uh, at two and three through five games. But but I know you have some picks. So what do you have? Oh, yeah. I, I was telling you, I have Lions over Patriots. Um, That's my upset pick of the week. Yeah. And I think yeah. this, is the, this is the one time that Brandon and I actually agree because I agree with him on the, the Detroit pick. I like it. I like it. But I think it's too sexy. The Lions are just, <laughs> I don't know. They always find a way to lose. Yeah, I, I I don't know. What what are your thoughts on that, Armand? No, actually, me and you, Michael, we're, we're aligned on pretty much all of our upset picks. I have Seahawks, and, you know, I'm biased because I'm a Bears fan. Um, but I had the Bears covering at the very least because I agree with you. I mean, Kirk Cousins is just an accident waiting to happen. I feel like unless, you know, you get a 10 a.m. game, which he, he has this week, if you put the bright lights on him, though, we know what's going to happen. I think uh, we're almost running out of time, though, here, Michael. So, Yeah, no, um, I, I'm just trying to think of like other other teams that we can possibly like put uh, put their feet to the fire kind of thing. But um, I guess we're just going to have to wait and, and see if we actually have any of these upsets come to fruition. Well, my, well, that's all the time we have for today. Let's do it again on Monday, guys. Until then, this is the Arash Marakazi Show saying stay safe and stay healthy. And thank you so much, Michael Duarte. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hustle for the cash, so it's hard to knock it. Everybody got their own thing, currency chasing. Worldwide through the hard times, worrying faces. Shed tears as we bury brothers close to heart. What was a friend now? Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.